Welcome to another edition of Practical Reliability, insights on the practical implementation of holistic reliability, brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Practical Reliability. We don't need to do that. Thanks. And we don't have a guest again, because no one loves us. And we have a canned intro. just us. It's just... Just me and you. Ooh. <laughs> Thank goodness singing oh, yeah. is not either of our careers. Yeah. Okay, so what are we talking about today, Joe? Today is supply chain management and how it affects overall reliability. Nice. So supply chain management. That's when you order chain and it comes into the storeroom. Mm, yeah, or you just supply the chain. To the management. All right. What if you don't have chain? What if you don't have management? What if you got no supplies? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what? So what is supply? So let's start with the basics before we can define how that whatever the heck that is supply yeah. chain. What is supply management chain? impacts reliability? We've got to understand what the supply chain is, and then we'll define what management is. That'll be even more fun. But yeah. What is supply chain? Well, management is easy. It's just managing all the things within supply chain. Oh. So. If management is easy, why are so many people bad at it? Well, no, I'm saying <laughs> defining it. <laughs> defining it is easy. <laughs> if it's so uh, easy, Joe, how is it? What about? Do you remember when you were in high school and you looked around the room and you went, "I cannot believe." Never mind. I'm not even going to say that because well, my school might listen. But generally speaking, you looked around and went, "Wow, I'm 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 pretty smart in the room." <laughs> you did. I was the <laughs> other guy. I was you, going, man. Then you get into work, and all these people are all you know. You're sitting in a room full of people that are you know four, three, four levels above you in the company, and you're going, "This is just like high school." <laughs> <laughs> uh. So That's what is terrible. supply chain? <laughs> That's the question. So it, so from a, I guess there's raw materials. There's, That's huge. There's <laughs> it's a huge actual area. products. Well, let's goods, let's focus on. Goods management. Yeah, well, let's focus on the areas that impact the plant's performance. Okay. Right? And what I mean by that is not necessarily do we the have demand or are we selling it, but more on the right more on the raw material procurement side of things i think packaging materials and procurement are two of the big areas right so let's kind of focus at least from what we're talking about the reliability of the operations within the plant right. Let, let's kind of focus on how supply chain impacts that so from a from a raw material perspective and of course it depends on the industry Right, if it's um, gold, a gold mine versus a food manufacturer, <laughs> it'd be completely different. Like gold impurities being delivered versus um, raw materials on the food side. Really, the only way that really affects overall reliability would be if you've got you know bad product um, uh, or not enough of the product that you need. Oversized, undersized, yeah, uh, poor quality, right. 
um, things that can gum up the machine, the variation yeah. versus what the machine was designed at. Right. And that's, but, yeah, I would say that's a concern, but it isn't the biggest issues at hand. But raw materials are definitely an issue, not to say that they're not, um, but they're not the largest issue when it comes to reliability. Um, not normally. Now, again, it depends on the industry. It depends on, you know, what you're doing. Uh, but being from a, a food and beverage background, you know, flour was flour unless it had weevils. Had, yeah, <laughs> weevils or weeble, moisture. Unless there was weevils all in yeah. it. <laughs> or, you know, your your climate changes would yeah. kind of gum up sometimes. And every now and then you'd get a flour clog, but it was rare. Yeah. But it's still flour effective. and water is harder than concrete. Right, like cleaning that out and of a mixer is even worse. Cleaning that out of a mixer is not fun. Yeah, I mean you get sugar and they it pulls in the moisture in these tanks and creates big blocks. Yeah, yeah. and then they get to your lump breakers and stuff, and it's so hard that they it can't pass through it. So you have some of those issues, and and they're not rare, but they're not. A lot either so but it is an issue um, so aside from raw materials what else does supply chain manage I would say on um, the packaging material side is always huge the variation because our specs we don't tighten specs and understand what our machines are capable of um, I think not only that but everybody is trying to penny pinch well, that so that's what leads to that, right? right? So, if you're looking at causes to the packaging issues, a lot of it is that is they don't want to spend the extra couple pennies for a quality box that would be at spec and can meet your specs without with minimal variation, right? So your machine can handle, for example, um, a quarter inch either way um, on a box, but if you're getting a half inch around a box it can't handle it but because you're paying the cheaper price you're not going to get the quality yeah um so that's some of the really the causes around that and then you push back on a cheap vendor trying to tighten specs and they say they're not capable and then you're mad at them but you're the one that set up the spec in the first place not understanding but from a reliability perspective i think some of the things that you and i talk about very often are that these are the things that get missed yep. by the asset management program. Right. The asset management's not looking at the fact that a box jams every, you know, in every single stack, the box maker is jamming. Right. Nonstop. <clears throat> we pull one out, you know, and maybe it's the bottom of the stack. You know, you buy Cargit in different, it can be cut differently. It's of different quality. One of the ways it's cut is in a stamping process. Right. Or your perforations aren't good. The knives are starting to get right. dull. I mean, there's all these quality issues with the packaging materials. And I think a lot of reason the asset management misses it is because we rely heavily on our IPEX department or somebody else to solution it, and it never goes away. Right. Because OPEX is focused on the three bags that got rejected on the line and trying to get rid of that instead of being effective first right and so that effectiveness is doing all the right things to minimize all those things from happening what we do in an opex group is we go after efficiencies and 
efficiencies are great, but you can be doing all the wrong things and be the most efficient, best-in-class efficiency in the world doing the wrong thing. But not be very effective. And not effective at all. And I think one of the things you and I also talk about is is now that – so the definition from ISO 55000 of asset management is all the things you do to get value from the asset. Right. One of the things – so everything you do that is not producing value – is unreliability yeah right it, well, so yeah. if we define it as that then it is the asset management and reliability space to make sure we're not putting variation into the does machine does waste add value if you're the landfill <laughs> <laughs> right i mean we're the trash to steam you plant. can go through everything that's all encompassing. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter. Like, it does waste add value? Right, if but, it doesn't add value. But in today's world, asset management, and reliability, and maintenance are focused on the machine and it not failing, not the machine and it producing value. Yeah, two different. It's because approaches. we look at asset management from a maintenance perspective, yep. not from a business perspective. That's right. And I think their intent was to look at it from a business, but perspective. it still hasn't happened. It's well, not generally, generally speaking, the industry is not flipped to that. Side. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people doing it well. Uh, no knock there. There's a lot of people doing it well. But the vast majority, um, because maintenance, again, picked it up and ran with it, or were the ones that pushed the development of it. Right. And so because everything is so siloed in this whole country, everything is that way in a lot of countries. It's so siloed. They say, well, that's a maintenance thing. And we're not the greatest salesman in the world. So for us to sell it to the world as a business uh, piece and not a maintenance piece has been difficult. Right. And, I mean, that always causes issues. So when you walk in to a facility and you're going, maintenance isn't the problem here. If you want to become more reliable, you need to focus on operations and, and some of the things you're responsible for. They just can't grasp it because they've been told or or from their knowledge, they think maintenance is the problem. And that's why an assessment needs to be done, an understanding of what the losses are so you can drive all those things out of the system to give the true value of the company, uh, give it back to the company, that value. So how does somebody who's... I guess, let's say our common listener, because that person is typically going to be reliability, asset management, maintenance. Yep. What can they do to better understand things or educate supply chain in that when you buy poor quality car, you're causing machine, it's downtime, but it's not maintenance related downtime, right? It's, it's minor stops, it's jams, it's things right. that really aren't defined as a maintenance bucket, but from a holistic reliability perspective it really is it, yeah. it, it's reliability because it's non-value well there's a few steps you have to take first and one is you got to have the data and if you don't have the data you've got to collect the data you got to start developing the business case right what we do is we go into the morning meeting and that 30 minute breakdown yesterday we're blaming as to the reason why we only truly hit about 30% of what we're capable of, right? And the problem is, is most uh, organizations don't know what they're capable of. They've always ran this certain production number, and they say, well, that's the goal. And they think that that was what 
they designed those assets to do, which isn't true. <clears throat> and so they never received the value out of the assets because they don't understand how to make that connection. So we, we've operated in a way that <laughs> it's kind of weird to think like this, but if you had an AI system dictating your production goals because you couldn't produce more, it would say, here's your goal. Right. Right. It wouldn't know necessarily well, what it does that is, your original intent yeah. was much higher. It's kind of a Six Sigma type thing, right? Where you take 30 samples, you average those samples, you find your standard deviation, and this is, you're in control, you're not in control, and this is your upper and lower control limit, so this is what your average should be, right? Some days you'll hit over that, some days you'll hit under that, but you're still in control, right? right? The problem is, is if I spent hundred million dollars to design this line to do 60 million a year and the last five years the best I've done is 25 million I am NOT getting the value out but what we do is we say well 25 million was our best year that's our goal 25 million right and then all of your numbers right 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 are formed around that 25 so now million. You're 85% OEE your world-class yeah right Tout and pat yourself on the back right. nice job by you because you have two sensors on your line that tell <laughs> you that you're 85% and so now you're telling the world that you're 85% you know and and of course we don't understand OEE I mean there's so many variables OEE isn't an efficiency metric we've turned it into an efficiency metric. Right, OEE right. is identifying the losses that are eating your lunch. So you have a big bucket to go after. Right. It sets direction and speed and losses. We use it as a goal. Yeah, we use it as a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you use it as a goal, everybody will hit the number. Touchdown. Touchdown. Look, you tell mm -hmm. me the number you want me to hit with OEE and I can make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's 1,642,000%, I'll make it happen. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, that's... The problem is, is we've used and misused it, and that it's it's truly a tool to help you identify back then what was called the six big losses. Well, when your goals are to make your KPIs green, not right. to actually improve, you figure out how to be green, right? Yeah. When you you know you got to be careful how you hit people in the purse, right? Yeah. Your 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 if you have annual objectives and goals that tie to your financial well being or a bonus. It should be about not deviating from standards and processes. Right. And whatever the output is, the output is. And yeah. if we need to change those standards and processes, let's change them. But we don't do that. We tie everybody to the end result, and they figure out how to maneuver things to make yeah. that look green, right? Right. And I think intentions are good a lot of times, is you set that end goal so that you're giving them something to focus on. But we fail as an organization to develop the people and give them the skill set necessary to know how to achieve that correctly. And so we assume that everybody has the skill set necessary, which isn't true. We know it's not just a skills labor shortage from a mechanic perspective. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, yeah, skill yeah. shortage from every perspective, including leadership. Yeah, right? unless it, well, unless it's a psychology degree or you know, if you color the trees as a graphic artist or something. We well, got plenty yeah. of those. But even then, their skills are lacking. <laughs> yeah, there's good ones and bad ones, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's easy to sit through class, sleep through half of it, put a couple drawings up, pass a class, and get a degree. That doesn't give you skill set. I tell my wife every year there's brain surgeons 
who pass with the lowest possible GPA to yeah. get their degree. Right. Every year. There is. Every year somebody passes with the lowest yeah. possible passing grade and they're a brain surgeon. There, there's two that. sides to that coin, right? Is it because you're lazy or because you're bored? If it's the board surgeon, I'll take him any yeah, day yeah, of the yeah, week yeah, yeah, yeah. because he's amped up, rearing to go. Because what he's learning there, he's studying ten times more outside of there. He'll be one of your best, right? But if you're doing it because you're lazy, I don't want you touching me, right? 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 <laughs> right? I mean, so it kind of depends because there's a lot of dynamic to that, um, which kind of leads you to procurement too. So the procurement side, saying spare parts, you know, a lot of them will work with your storeroom to find the cheapest parts possible. And I understand that, um, but it's the same. But you buy tape that's breaking halfway through the roll. Right. You're, you know, you you're, buy bearings from China. Yeah, you you're, buy, you're having a lot of so issues. If you were telling me this company has a inch and seven sixteenths SKF bearing and they're charging us, you know, 130 bucks for it. And company B has a Timken inch and seven sixteenths bearing and they're gonna charge us ninety five dollars, I'm all for it. But when you go, hey, if I get these China bearings, they're three bucks. Right? And not one either the storm doesn't have a voice and they know the, Dude, the right thing. Have to you do. seen all the videos on Raymond Noodles? If the ball bearings yeah, are made out of Raymond noodles, we're good. That's it. That is some super glue. <laughs> and then uh, some epoxy and you're good. You know, <laughs> I was told yeah, I was one making time tables. And I was told one time of... to weld uh, outer race of a bearing to a shaft so that it was still turned. <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, you know, but again, the procurement, it's just like uh, on your packaging materials. Those are the same issues. Right. The crappy tape that breaks all the time, the plastic that breaks all the time, you yep. know. And what's that, you know, on the... You, so there's a big disconnect, right? Because if yeah. I'm the corporate overhead and I'm going, I need each department to find savings. Right. And so procurement doesn't know what that they're doing something wrong, right? right. They're not maliciously causing nope. minor stops. No. And so the, the biggest question is how do the folks listening begin to give an understanding to those folks of how their decision-making is impacting the bottom line because on their side they're going i save three cents a roll we use a twenty thousand rolls a year here's what what that equated to i've saved six thousand yeah. dollars right the, the quickest thing is getting them to understand life cycle cost but in a way that's simplistic you don't even have to use the term life cycle cost you just give an example right you have two cars this car's ten thousand dollars this car's a hundred thousand dollars but over the next 10 years, you're going to spend $250,000 on this car to keep it running, the cheap one, where I might only spend 5000 on this one. Which car would you buy if you had the money? Right, right. Right? And so it's giving the anecdotes and examples to prove the point, right? To say, okay, I love that you saved the company a ton of money buying this $3 China bearing. But the $12 SKF bearing, if we have the practices in place can make this bearing possibly last 10 or 15 years right where we're replacing one of these every three months yeah and so if you do the math that one bearing is costing us seven thousand four hundred and fifty two dollars whatever that number is versus the single bearing that we could be spending here 
and but it's also a discussion with upper management understanding how to capture cost savings what they're looking for is the quickest savings possible to raise the stock price but they're not asking the question what does that decision do downstream right right? no they don't because they're looking for quick because we're in today it's all about the quarterly stock price right right it's not about the longevity of the company and that's why you see so many companies in a spiral is you know the good companies that have been around forever they're thinking long you know Uh, Cargill thinks very long term and they've been around forever and they understand slow growth right and they're all for slow growth right so they'll do a lot of the right things because they understand that it's a slow process and we'll grow and we're going to make money where you have other companies where it's like cut this cut 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 this and that and then you know in three years they're in a spiral well that's because you know they shift leadership around incoming you know middle to upper tier management want to get promoted so it's see what i did and let me get promoted and i'm out the door right so there's this temporary mentality that 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 essentially drives them to make crappy decisions you know and it trickles it down because their goal is not the their goal if you boil it all down is not the company their goal is personal right and so yeah 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 it's uh, padding my resume so I can get another CEO position for now a Fortune 500 company. Right. And then from there to a Fortune 100 company. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we never truly talk about legacy anymore. Right. We're in the, these days. Yeah. You don't, it, you know, you got. It's about me. Yeah. Anymore. And, I it's mean, not, this lends to. Not a really lot. a Jack Welsh running around. Yeah. Well, it leads to a lot of other things. Like I've said before, you know, um, I think a lot of issues in today's society is we're so focused on ourselves. Yeah. And not focused on others. If you want true happiness, focus on other people. Right. right? Depression is a good one. You don't want to be depressed. Go out and mow your neighbor's yard. See how that feels. Right. Versus sitting around and and moping at the house but you've got to make the decision to change there's nothing we can do to help if you don't make that decision to yeah, change right yeah. but go out and mow your neighbor's yard go out and grab his mail bring it to the the doorstep bring him a thing of cookies and you just know? made me hungry i'm just saying you can change the world My with that mentality and it requires all of us to do it you know and we could all make the world a better place by doing that it's just crazy it's yeah, simple yeah, yeah. things and we think it's so complex and, and it's simple, but I digress. Very cool. All right, so um, I guess to, to boil it all down for the folks that are in asset management reliability maintenance, you've got to do a little bit of math. Look at what the decisions were. Go find out when they started. Look at what the impact has been either to the equipment from a reliability perspective in what we typically call reliability or even what has been the throughput impact. Right. right. What has been the manufacturing impact of those decisions and then make your business case and go get those things that, you know, a lot of times it takes as whether it's supply chain or anywhere else, just go talk to the operators yeah. and they'll tell you, you know, the, the design of this changed or they started, they changed vendors on the target or they did this or they yeah. did that. And they know exactly when it happened and what the issues are they're struggling with since then go have a conversation and then educate supply chain and procurement 
around how what their choices are impact the manufacturing process. Right, and it's not going to happen overnight. So you got to be persistent. Well, and that's because supply chain doesn't work at night. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> either does IT. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to have yeah. a meeting with IT. When do you want to have it? 10 a.m. Yeah. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. I get up past, and I'm, yeah, I'm, home by, I'm home by 6. More. So, yeah. Yeah. But you got to be persistent and then use other examples because um, they're going to come up. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah. time to point it out to say, hey, you know, if we tried this other plastic or we tried this other type of tape, you know. Yeah, yeah. We might have improved. Why right. not give it a shot? You know, and so it's just poking and, and uh, continually, you know, poking if away. If we can have it. renewable energy, how can we not have a renewable tape roll? <laughs> <laughs> the everlasting tape roll. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. So well, anyway. You should put a generator on the tape roll, though, too, so that you can generate electricity from the tape moving. And then resupply it back into the tape machine, so you end up using less. All right, we got to wrap this up because yeah, I'm the, going off on a tangent. Yeah, you're getting. Uh, you need to patent something now. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. yeah. Green energy by tapeel. Yeah, the police patent me down later. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, all right, Joe. Thanks for the conversation. Always, always a pleasure. Um, let's hope folks engage their supply chain management teams to understand the impact the supply chain has on your overall plant's holistic reliability efforts. Yeah, and if um, you need any help doing that, you could always reach out to us at ask at reliabilityx.com or visit our website at reliabilityx.com. Awesome. For Joe Anderson, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today. For questions on this or any other topics, email us at ask at reliabilityx.com. This has been another episode of Practical Reliability brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success.